This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me, your number one hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast in Australia. Today, we're talking with Marco Pagliaro on how to hunt quail. Marco joins me to talk about where to actually find quail, quail habitat, scouting for quail, shotguns and shotgun sub-gauges, and also what loads and shotgun shells you need to use on quail. We also discuss what chokes you need to use in your shotgun to get the best results when hunting quail. Dogs are also very important when hunting quail. So we talk about hunting dogs, hunting dog breeds, and the best way to train your dog to be able to point quail. I really enjoyed talking to Marco on this one. It was very good. Good to get back to uh, some hunting roots on the show as well. Uh, We've got lots coming up on the show. We're going to be doing a few fishing podcasts as well coming up, uh, including uh, How to Catch Kingfish. And we're also going to talk to a prominent TV personality in the fishing industry who's been fishing and hunting for over 30 years. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Of course, you can find us on Facebook, uh, you can find us on Twitter at AH Podcast. You can also find us on the website at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au if you want to listen to the show. Of course, iTunes as well. That's where most people download the show or they can listen to, again, the show uh, on the website. Of course, if you want to get your podcast earlier than anybody else, then I'd love for you to become a Patreon member. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash AHP, for as little as $1, people, for as little as one dollar you'll get podcasts in advance of anyone else uh some added extras like asking questions to guests that are going to be on the show and also questions about people that you want to hear from so i hope you guys enjoy the show it's going to be a great one without further ado let's get into my interview hunting quail with marco pagliaro Hi, this is Aaron Stonehouse, MLC for the Liberal Democrats in Western Australia. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Marco Pagliaro, welcome to AHP. Thanks for joining me and we're going to have a great discussion today about quail hunting. Thank you. Thank you. First off, I want to find out about yourself. Uh, How did you get into uh, hunting and shooting and how long have you been hunting and shooting for? Well... I, um, I'm of Italian origin. I was born in Italy, and uh, my dad used to hunt in Italy. Um, and I remember as a boy anticipating him coming home from a hunting trip. So I've loved hunting all my life. And then we migrated to Australia in 1970. Um, and to be honest, I think it was just in my blood. Hunting has always been in my blood. Um, a very, very closely close friend, family friend, actually introduced me to hunting and mentored me through, uh, well, right up until I was sort of into my adult life. What was hunting like when you are in Italy? I want to find out more about that, actually, because a lot of my guests are from other countries. They either moved to Australia or they're just from other countries and, they've, you know, and they enjoy their hunting and shooting activities. What can you hunt in Italy? What was it like when you find memories growing up, I guess, partly in Italy and, and hunting? Were you hunting then or was it more waiting for Dad to come home? It was more waiting for Dad to come home. Um, I was only very young. I, I came here when I was seven. So um, 
Dad, it was quite funny you asked that because hunting in Italy, well, the, the region I come from is actually very rich in game, um, but Italians don't sort of hunt with the same, oh, I guess, aggression that we have. I think we're a little, it's for them over there, it's more a bit of a fashion statement, uh, or at least it was, at least it was then. But Dad, Dad um, you know, he'd go, Whereas here we hunt all day or the best part of the day. Um, Dad used to sort of go hunting for a few hours during the day and um, the game, the, the bag was very, usually uh, very slim. Um, but, I mean, as I said, it was more of a trend and I don't know how dedicated to hunting Dad was. Over there, what, what would he bring home? What's the, the game species of Italy? What can you hunt over there, if you recall? Well, I mean, I went back recently. I actually um, acquired my hunting licence over in Italy. So they rely on what they call uh, stationary game or game of the area, which is restocked. They restock certain areas, um, much like we restock lakes here with, say, trout and salmon. Um, They've got programs there where the the hunter's money goes into uh, restocking of game in different um, areas. So they have pheasant mainly, pheasant and hares um, are restocked, and they and then they rely a lot on the uh, migrations of birds at uh, various times during the hunting season. And, uh, I mean, for instance, they... They hunt uh, migration birds. Is say the woodcock is very very sought after. It's it's a uh, prime game bird. Um, they can hunt snipe. They can hunt uh, plover. They can hunt uh, wood pigeon is very very popular. Um, and the song thrush is very very popular. All migrating birds. For a bird hunter, it sounds like paradise. It is. It is. I mean, um, you know that the bag. The bags um, mightn't be as big as what we have here in numbers, but you know it's nothing for a hunter to go out on um, for a, for a day hunting, and he he'll be able to bag a little bit more variety. He might get a woodcock or two, or a woodcock and a and a pigeon, or a woodcock and three pigeon and a duck. So depending on where he hunts. Um, there's more chance of a variety rather than quantity. Uh, when you came to Australia, how old when you when, when you came to Australia? I was seven years old. Seven years old. And when you're growing up, what did Dad come with you as well? Obviously, and you grew up with Dad, and he took. Was he hunting in Australia as well, or Dad took us hunting a little bit, um, but it was a very family, uh, a very close family friend that actually um, mentored me and took me away hunting um, all the time. I know, obviously, because I've got a, and I'm sure it's Italian, uh, I've got a couple of Beretta shotguns myself, actually. Uh, what can you own in, in uh, Italy? Is it just only shotguns only? Because I know one of my uh, work colleagues just currently now is over in uh, Malta, and we always have a joke, you know, they talks about they sort of don't really hunt over there anymore. And I said, well, you know, you've probably got about 100 Maltese trying to shoot one quail or, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it may be. So can you own rifles in Italy? If you Do you know that? Or, or is it only shotguns? Oh, no. or? I actually, as I said, I actually uh, got my hunting licence um, over there about three years ago. So, look, I can't remember 100%. I, 
I do know that on a normal license, you can own um, in unlimited shotguns, unless that's changed recently. But on a normal license, you can own unlimited shotguns. I'm pretty sure it was up to eight high-powered rifles and a certain amount of um, ammunition could be stored at your house at any given time. So there was a limit on ammunition, but it was a lot of ammunition that could be stored at your house. So in comparison to Australia, I found it to be very, very liberal, actually. Yeah. Do you do you miss, I mean, obviously you got to, to hunt when you were over there a couple of years, three years ago? Um, I, I did a little bit of hunting with a friend. I didn't actually carry a firearm as such. I sort of went along because my... Uh, license hadn't come through, um, but the landscape is very, very, um, is very, very different to here. There's a lot of wild country, um, so from that from that perspective, um, to a hunter, it's, a, it's it appears to be a lot more challenging too. What do you like to hunt? I mean, you're talking about Australia, obviously we're talking about quail today, but what else do you enjoy to hunt? Do you enjoy hunting ducks, or what else do you get into uh, other hunting species here in Australia? I think my preferred hunting in Australia would have to be duck hunting, um, quickly followed by by quail. I was in a situation for many years where I lived in country Victoria and I could hunt ducks in the morning and then spend the afternoon hunting quail. Um, <laughs> you bugger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Must I, have been I a love, tough life. Yes, yeah, I, I was. I love hunting with, with a gun dog, obviously, so um, I enjoy uh, the small game hunting. Unfortunately, the, my biggest gripe in Australia is that we just don't have the variety. Um, we have duck and quail, and and that's it. I mean, apart from of, of course rabbits and hares, um, I love hunting rabbits and hares as well. And um, when the bird game season is over, um, I'd love to hunt deer too. No, I was going to ask you about that. Any yeah, deer, goats? Yeah, how how passionate are you about your deer hunting? I love deer hunting. It comes second to my shotgun hunting with with uh, with dogs, um, but I certainly enjoy uh, deer hunting as many times as I can do it before it gets too warm. Yeah, I know. It's interesting you mention that, isn't it, uh, about shotgun shooting. I'm the same. I think I own one, two, maybe four or five shotguns. There's something about shotgun shooting, isn't there, that just – I don't know what it is, but I, I love it. I just – I don't know what it is. Well, my passion is um, being able to hit a small target. I, I prefer bird shooting, I guess, um, you know, more than anything else. Do you go to clay targets regularly to keep your eye in or anything like that or any non-hunting-related activities? I don't. I don't, I don't shoot clay targets very often at all. In fact, I do very, very little of it. Um, but I do a lot of duck hunting during the season and on the rice. I'm out every weekend during the season and then I... I hunt ducks on the rice as much as I can. Yeah. What does your wife say? You're out hunting all the time. Hopefully you might take her with you maybe. <laughs> um, she, she comes. She comes often. She's actually got her hunting licence as well. Um, she hasn't been over the last year or so, but um, she has come in the past very often, and she just looks at it that um, it's what I love doing, so she's happy with that. Mate, you seem to be living life. You get to hunt a lot. The, the, the wife loves it as well. He likes to come out with you occasionally. You know, there's nothing wrong with that and let you go hunting. Sounds like an yes. absolute keeper. Yes, yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, what else was I going to talk? I had another question here. What about uh, you, you bringing home, you know, game cooking, so bringing home ducks, 
Uh, we'll talk about quail a bit later, but bringing home your meat, did you guys enjoy that? You were talking about rabbits, hares. Do you like to bring them home and cook them? I guess that's a big part of your culture as well, coming from Italy. 100%. 100%. I, um, everything I hunt, I, I mainly hunt for food. Um, it is a very, very strong culture uh, in Europe um, that you hunt basically for food. So I enjoy game cooking. I love cooking game. I'm actually, um, I'm actually cooking some duck at the moment, um, just before you, you this interview. But I, I love game cooking. I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's fantastic to think that you've gone and harvested, harvested uh, the game meat yourself, and then you enjoy cooking it and, and um, sharing it with your family and friends. Obviously, absolutely. What's your over over two or three good glasses of wine? Absolutely. What's your What's your normally go to when you're cooking duck? I know I like to eat my my neighbours uh, Fijians. Obviously, got Fijian Indian heritage, and he always tells me buy a duck or give me a duck. I'll cook it for you. So sometimes I buy you know the domesticated ones you normally can buy from the shop. But how do you normally obviously wild? duck being a lot different, a lot more gamey, a lot more red meat. How do you normally prepare your ducks and what's sort of the go-to recipe for Marco? I guess being Italian, we sort of try try a lot of things. Um, uh, game meat, I think the biggest problem with game meat people don't understand is that it's not like your normal meat. It usually hasn't got the amount of fat that, that say, beef or lamb has. So you've got it. That's the first consideration. But I mean, you can cook duck in a in a in a sauce for spaghetti. You can make it into a casserole. You can um, you can uh, cook it a, a, as a broth. I one of my favourite recipes is what we call cacciatore, which is the true, authentic cacciatore. I mean, each region of Italy has got its own um, version of it, of course, but it's basically cacciatore, caccia comes from the word hunter or it is the, it's the word hunter so and it's it's a way of cooking any game meat any game meat at all you can cook it cacciatore I might have to look that up sometimes I said I've had a I get out of the rice I unfortunately I only get to go about once a year but I go down for about a week and a half and, and stay on a farmer's property and you know, we hunt on his property in in the area as well. But sometimes I try and bake them and I put them in a bag and I try and keep them dry, but then they dry out and they get really bad. And if I'm actually cooking for someone, I actually want to make sure it's actually tasting good so they appreciate it. But sometimes I do get it wrong. So it's always good to hear a lot of different people on the ways they cook duck. So mm-hmm. um, actually, but before we ask that, you obviously like shotguns. Uh, what's your favorite one that you own? What does Marco like that he's got in his safe at home? What's one of his favorites? I, I um, I've always had mainly Berettas. It's uh, I've just found them to be reliable. When we had the semi-automatics, when we were allowed to, to hunt with them, I, I had a Beretta, a 302, which I've missed dearly. Um, now I've I have a um, 686 special Beretta, um, and I also have a side by side, which is also a Beretta. I think with guns, it's it's um, it's always going to be a preference. People like certain certain makes of guns um i just find beretta to be durable and they fit in so that's what i use as they say you can never have too many guns eh? especially shotguns for me <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> um let's talk about those little pesky quails in australia what can you tell us about i guess the origin of quail um, as a species in australia to be able to hunt tell us a bit about the quail some things i guess people may not know but just in australia 
Well, quail are obviously native to Australia. Um, these quail are. What we call the stubble quail is actually a grass quail. I think they were called stubble quail, obviously, after white men settled and started growing wheat, and it took the name of a stubble quail. Um, but it's actually a grass quail. It's native of Australia. Um, they inhabit uh, grassland. You've, um, you know, they... they they are very responsive to good conditions. Um, plenty of cover, that's the main thing, um, which then means there's plenty of food for them and they need the moisture to, um, you know, for the insects to be there during the uh, the growing season for the chicks. Yeah, what do they normally eat? Are they normally insect-based? Are they, what do they eat, scavenge off the ground? What do they normally eat? Quail are a little bit, they're the, they're the uh, pheasant of the... Um, Sorry, to the family of the pheasant or partridge. So they're a ground-dwelling bird, as you know. Um, so they scratch for for food. But as chicks, when they're young, they they need a lot more protein. So their diet would be mainly insects. And then as they get older, they still eat insects, but they rely a lot on on wild uh, seed. Yeah, it's interesting because, as I said, the ducks don't they down on the rice? They love getting into the uh, the seed, don't they? When the the farmers are sowing for the rice season. Yes, yes. Mm, absolutely. What about, and this is an interesting thing I've thought about, especially in Australia. I mean, all parts of Australia, I guess, except probably for Tasmania. But they, some people are saying they're seeing foxes down there. How does the quail go against the, obviously, the, the red fox? Uh, we know, I mean, we don't really have, or some parts we do, uh, not really in New South Wales, but, you know, turkey, ground turkeys or bush turkeys because, you know, really they don't stand a chance against foxes. How does the quail go against, you know, the fox? Do you think the fox reduces the number of quail? I think foxes have got the potential to, to have an impact on most wildlife of that, you know, small wildlife in Australia. The fact that um, the quail has stood its own um, in, in, in the country um, would tell me that, even though there the may be the foxes may impact them a little bit, um, it certainly wouldn't be um, in, in a big way. Um, having said that, um, you know it all depends the conditions. If if it's favourable for the for the quail in the aspect that there's plenty of cover where they can hide and and that sort of thing, um, will protect them from foxes more so. If the conditions aren't right, they become vulnerable to to other predators for sure yeah absolutely it's always it sort of sucks we in parts we have the fox here because you know they sort of do i think they do affect our maybe not so much you said on quail but you know other ground dwelling birds that may have you know thrived and may have provided great hunting opportunities won't because i mean i was just watching you know, some turkey hunting the other day on youtube from america and i thought man, how slow they move they wouldn't stand a chance against a fox you know that's why probably we don't have those ground dwelling birds as such especially slow-moving ones, where quail might be able to move fairly quickly. But I've also seen foxes chasing mice and, and pick up mice. So I guess, uh, you know, the quail's fairly, you know, what was the word I would use? You know, they're, they're I guess, very, you might say cunning. They're able to get away from the fox, so to speak. So, Well, just the way they behave when you're hunting them with a dog, it just shows you how cunning they are. They're very cunning. Oh, excellent. Let, let's talk about, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm up in New South Wales. Where... If someone wants to go, yeah, they want to get into shooting, they want to get into hunting you know, ducks and quail, they want to you know, hunt birds, where do they look for for quail habitat? How do you know if you're looking at a farm that you might want to go and approach a farmer and try and get access? How do you know where quail hold up? What's the best places to look? 
Well, you, you've got to check. Quail, I've got a saying about that. They are where you where you find them because I've actually hunted, I've shot quail on um, very, very sparse cover. Um, I've even hunted quail on uh, paddocks that were, had been ploughed up. You know, the, the tractor had turned the ground over and there's, there was obviously seed in there that um, that the quail were feeding on and, and they were, you know, I've come across paddocks like that with hundreds of them. Having said that, generally, if you're looking for quail, you would look for areas of grass or stubble. Um, the stubble would need to have um, some green pick through it and or wild um, weed of any type. Quail love hogweed. The hogweed is the um, is that sort of uh, it's like a vine. It grows when it in the springtime. If you get a good rain, you, it's like a vine, and when it's mature, it gets a little red seed on it. So if there's a lot of hogweed in the paddock from far away, it actually looks like it's red. Is that something you can see when driving around? If you're scouting, is that something that's clearly visible? My word, yes. If if it's if it's enough of it in there, you can certainly see it. Right, okay. You can certainly see. But if you're looking for quail, you just look for cover. You look for native grass um, or uh, good, thick stubble. Have you ever gone to a place and looked at it and said, you know, this looks fantastic, but it's it's held no quail? Yes, 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 many, many times. Um, and that's, again, they quail depend very much on rainfall. They, they, they depend very much on um, the conditions I think I think one of the biggest problems we have is, um, you know, might be the overgrazing. So, you know, our farming practices. If you're driving around um, and there's one good paddock in an area, if the paddocks around it are sort of bare, well, the, the chances are the quail aren't going to be in that area. So, if they're around, you usually find them everywhere. Looking for a big weekend? Australia's biggest sport shooting and outdoor event, the SSAA Shot Expo, is now even bigger. With hunting gear and outdoor equipment from the world's biggest names, plus demonstrations, talks and entertainment for the whole family. Over 120 displays, one location. The SSAA Shot Expo, RNA Showgrounds, Brisbane, August 26th and 27th. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au for sponsors and the full program. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. We've had a lot of rain, obviously. You know, I know there was a lot just before going to the... Uh, rice fields last year. How's that affected the uh, quail hunting season this year? Has it been very fruitful this year? It's been a it's been a, a pretty good year. Um, nowhere near as good as I think what a lot of people had predicted. Um, again, if quail um, quail do migrate, so if they if they um, were in another state and the conditions for them were really good where they were, they won't move. You know, if if the if 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 the conditions are good where they are, they won't move. So, even though we had plenty of rain here and the cover was good, much better than other years, 
Um, the fact that they weren't here in, in as big a numbers as they were in 2011 means that where they are, um, you know, was better or was as good. Yeah, I know you can hunt them in certain places and all that, but where to, in Australia, obviously there's, you know, Victoria holds good amounts of quail, but they in New South Wales, Queensland, WA, South Australia, Northern Territory. Where do, are they spread across the country? Where's the general population of quail, or it doesn't really matter just where the conditions are? Generally, where the conditions are, um, I don't think you. I don't think they they inhabit Tasmania. And if you have a look at a map of Australia, they don't sort of get up as far as the Northern Territory in big numbers. I think so. Um, they are pretty well spread out, though. Not that I've ever used the dogs. I don't think you can use them here in New South Wales. I don't own a dog, but um, I've never even seen one in New South Wales, but I guess that's the purpose of having a dog to try and flush them wherever you're obviously legally hunting them. You know, obviously a dog's the most important thing to be able to see quail because I guess they, you know, hang out on the ground and they, you know, they're very hard to see. Yes, yes, 100%. You, um, to hunt quail without a dog is uh, limiting your success rate by a massive percentage. Yeah. And we'll talk about dogs a, a little bit later because that's very important as well. But what's the best firearm calibre? What should we be using for quail when we go out? Well, I've always used a 12-gauge. I'll use a 12-gauge um, for, for all my hunting, small-game hunting. Um, the 20-gauge is very, very popular. A lot of people like the idea that it's um, lighter to carry. Um, but, yes, they are certainly the most popular 12-gauge and a 20-gauge for hunting quail. We'll go into chokes in just, just a few moments, but when you're covering land or when you go on a property, are you generally covering a lot of land with your dog when you're obviously hunting quail? Or are you, is, it, is it that type of thing? Or you can sometimes, depending on where you're hunting, you could get a lot in one area. How far are you covering when you go on a hunt? Well, you, you can you can shoot you can shoot your your bag limit of quail on forty or fifty acres, um, and sometimes you've got to walk, you know, all day to hunt to, to 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 get your bag limit. It all depends. I mean, Australia, as you know, is a massive country, so um, and the quail, depending on on how how numerous they are um, in the state at the time of the season. Um, it's going to depend on on how much ground you've got to cover. Generally, you're covering a lot of ground when you're hunting quail. What's the what's the best time to hunt quail? Uh, morning, day, night doesn't matter if you've got a dog any time or. I prefer the morning. I always prefer hunting in the morning. You get um, our season runs from April till June, so you still get fairly warm days in April, um, and you've always got to consider that. Uh, the best conditions for a dog is to have a slight breeze and a little bit of moisture on the ground. So as the day warms up and dries out, it's um, not helping the dog. Yeah, right. And what about snakes? Obviously a major issue as well. Major, major issue. Always are. So that's something else you've got to consider. You can still, uh, it's very, very common to, to come across snakes well into middle of April. Have you ever you haven't ever had a run-in with any snakes or anything with the dogs? or? I, I have, I have a couple of my dogs have pointed snakes in the past. It's not a, it's not a good thing, but it's just one of those things that happens. And mm. any, any, any unluckies of losing any dogs or no, no, thank God, I've, I've never, I've never lost. <laughs> yeah, I'm never, I've never lost a dog to a, to a snake. I know when I was on the rice last year, more so than ever, we saw, I don't know how many brown snakes, baby ones. I was walking along the bays 
uh, you know, with my head torch always down because even though I wear gaiters up to my knees and stuff, if I didn't have my, if we're just sitting on the bay sometimes, walking down, I've always got my head torch facing down because I, I know they can be absolutely anywhere. And I was so surprised last year to see quite a lot of snakes actually, uh, you know, you know, in the side water holding bays that run sort of perpendicular to, you know, a lot of them coming out of the water. I'm like, I don't think we should go. <laughs> should be going anywhere near the water because obviously they seem to be quite amphibious as well. They are. Well, they, they hunt the frogs in, on the rice fields, so they move around hunting the frogs on the rice, yes. And my friend, and at that time we went out about uh, about lunchtime and it was more just a, a bit of a scout in the car, you know, jump out, shoot a few, obviously on private property, obviously, uh, and then getting back in the car, driving on further or whatever. And, you know, sometimes I had, like, I might have had a pair of, I wasn't prepared, you know, it was just to have a quick look around, you know, if we shoot one, we take it back, maybe have it for lunch or et cetera or something like that. And then all of a sudden, yeah, my friend goes, hey, there's a snake. I'm like, oh, my God, let's go back. I've, I only had a pair of thongs on and a pair of shorts, so probably not the best hunting attire. No, no not for the, <laughs> certainly not for the <laughs> As rice. soon as I saw that, I said, right, let's go back. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not hanging around with brown snakes, that's for sure. But um, yeah. let's talk about uh, what would you say about chokes. I know a lot of different people, especially on birds, sometimes generally get their chokes incorrect, you know, for the conditions they're shooting in, for the distance of shooting. When you're actually hunting quail, what's the what's the best chokes we should be using? Well, I I use um, my shotgun has got fixed chokes, which um, I'm pretty sure now because I don't shoot clay targets, I mightn't be 100% with the terminology, but I I just use the word um, half and quarter choke, yeah, which I think is it's a mo- yeah and, modified uh, half is modified and, and quarter and should be cylinder. improved cylinder, isn't it? Yep. I think it's cylinder, and improved cylinder is the is the one. That, yeah, so cylinder and half choke, those two chokes I think are pretty standard with all all hunting with a shotgun. To be yeah. honest, and what that would be cylinder shooting first as the bird gets away the 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 modified choke or the half choke. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. Makes um, makes a very, lot of sense. It's very important. A lot of people tend to shoot quail too close, of course, and being such a small bird. You need to let the you need to let the the quail get away and, and put a good distance between you and, and and itself before you pull the trigger. Otherwise, you'll pick up um, that you know it'll be damaged. Yeah, and what about safety? When obviously, if you've got a good dog, the good dogs or I want to say untrained, untrained, experienced dogs, I, I might add. Um, obviously, chasing after birds—that's not a good thing. Obviously, making sure the bird gets enough away so it clears the dog. Obviously. Well, your dog, I mean, if it's trained properly, your dog should be steady to shot, which means once the bird is flush, your dog should be you should remain stationary until you're able to shoot the bird and then send it to retrieve. Having said that, most dogs uh, that people are using uh, probably aren't trained to that to that standard. So, yeah, you've got to consider that the quail usually doesn't they don't fly very high they only sort of ever lift seven or eight feet off the ground maybe 10 so you've always got to consider that if your dog is behind it um you know it's certainly a safety uh safety matter to consider for sure yeah and when quail do they normally i know uh on the rice fields depends on where you go some birds don't like to fly more than others sometimes but there's a quail generally not you know does it take a lot to get it to fly does it generally take a lot to to get it up in the air that varies on the time of the season 
Um, it varies on the birds themselves. Sometimes the birds are very flighty if they've just arrived on the paddock or, or if they're about to leave. Uh, they're a lot flightier during the season. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, during the season rather than the start of the season, whether they're adult birds that have been hunted before, um, whether the cover is heavy or sparse. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that sort of um, determine that. And when when quail, if you're going into an area and you think quail are there, are they the type of animal that if they're there now, they stay in that particular area, or do they come and they go throughout the like like ducks for an example? You know, when they're on the rice fields, they might stay there all night. They might head out to another dam, or they might head out to another stream somewhere with has a bit of you know cover for them. Then they'll make their way onto the rice, you know, in the obviously at sunlight in the morning or at dusk at night, a quail the same, or they normally stay in one particular area and they habitate that area? Generally, if the conditions are good, quail will stay, um, you know, where they are through throughout the season. Um, it's I've never experienced uh, quail actually leaving overnight, although I have heard of people that have. Very interesting. What about dogs? Let's talk about the different breeds of dogs. I know you you said you you breed dogs. Is that correct? I, I do breed occasionally. Yes. Yep. What are the what's uh, dogs are good for? I mean, we'll talk about our I guess ducks and quail, even though it's a quail podcast. But I guess they can be used for both for retrieving as well. What dogs are, are the best for for flushing quail and obviously going to pick up uh, game birds? Well. In Australia, we have um, what they call the HPR breeds, or which is Hunt Point Retrieve. Um, you've got your your Springer Spaniels. You've got your, your Spaniels, which are generally flushing dogs. They don't they don't um, they don't point as such. And you've got your Retrievers, which are used uh, to hunt quail. Some some people use uh, dogs like Labradors or Golden Retrievers to hunt quail as well. Um, the most popular dogs, I think, in Australia are the pointing breeds, um, and uh, you know, the German Shorthead Pointer or the Brittany or more correctly named the Apaniel Breton or the Vizsla. Uh, they're all pretty popular breeds. Um, of course, the English Pointers and the English Setters are starting to make a comeback. Generally, because of the large amount of country you've got to cover, um, you want a dog that will, will cover that country with, without getting tired too quickly. And the Spaniels are a lot closer uh, working dog because they don't point. They've, they flush. They can never get out of gun, uh, shotgun range. And that goes also for the Labrador Retrievers and the Golden Retrievers. What's the difference between a flush and a point? Can you explain that for the people that might not know what that is? Well, a, a, a dog that points basically finds the quail, he, he air scents the quail, and when... When he knows he's in the vicinity of that quail, he'll just stop very much like, I don't know if you've ever seen Kelpies. I have. I've seen the tail go up and they're like like as stiff as a board, aren't they? It's basically the same sort of thing. They set or or point or stalk, um, and then they will sit there or stand there till you approach. Um, a good dog will know if the quail's moving away and he'll keep up with the quail, and that's called roading. And keep up with it enough not to lose it, but not enough to put pressure on it to take to the wing. 
I wonder if uh, when when they're actually like they're, they're you said they're uh, pointing if that's correct terminology uh, when they're dead still if they can if they just smell it in the vicinity or they can actually see it. What do you think? Oh, it's smell one hundred percent. One hundred percent smell. One hundred percent. Occasionally they might see it, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's definitely smell. When they go into that obviously that point that they're dead still, what vicinity would the quail be in to to, to the dog? It varies. It varies on the experience of the dog. It varies on the cover. Um, it varies on the conditions. They can be right under its nose or, or they can be 30 metres away. And you're talking about training of a dog. What, I mean, how, obviously without going into full details, I guess, for this would be for another show, but uh, what, how long would it take to, and what things do people need to do to train a dog, and how long would it take to get a dog up to speed at what age to, to be at least getting it started on quail hunting and be successful at quail hunting? I guess it's, um, you know, all dogs are different. Um, breeds are different. The individual dogs are different. Um, some may take, you know, some may take a lot longer than others. Generally, if you're, if you're wanting to train a dog to the standard where he will find a bird, he will point, he will... Uh, be steady to shot and retrieve on command, that would take, it could take anything up to three years to have him do it, steady, to have him do it consistently. Now, when I say that, um, that's not to say you won't be able to hunt over that dog for that period of time, but um, it could take up to three years before that dog is consistently doing that sort of high standard work. Yeah. What training techniques do you normally use to train quail? Throughout the season as well, do you need to, obviously only hunting three months of the year, that's if you go out a lot. Do you need to do off-season training with them, obviously when you're not hunting quail throughout the year? Generally with a dog, um, when you buy a puppy, the first thing is basic uh, obedience. So it it needs to learn how to, uh, first of all, come back to recall, um, sit and stay. So that's just basic, basic obedience. And then um, lots of hours spent in the field hunting quail without a gun so that the, the dog learns to hunt um, and you can control it and it can, you, you know, once it finds the quail, uh, you've got control over the dog so that it doesn't chase. Uh, you can put it on a check cord. Um, but lots of time spent in the field without a gun is, is the key. Yeah, is it in, um, is it in its blood? Does it just know what to do, or do you have like a sorry for my um, naivety, so to speak, on quail hunting? But do you have like a little rubber quail or something, or no? It just knows what to do and being in the field, and it's in in its blood. If that makes sense. If you if you are in the market of buying a, a gun dog, you should always do your research um, and and make sure you're buying the gun dog from a reputable breeder who is breeding uh, working dogs. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of uh, dogs that are bred for show and a lot of those dogs hunt. But if, um, you know, it, it, after about five generations, they can lose that instinct. So the actual instinct of hunting is bred in the dog. You've just got to put the discipline in. So when you take a new dog, let's say first, second, third time out, out, in, out in, you know, a, a quail paddock, you might be good on quail. What normally happens to the dog? Do they just start smelling and going a bit crazy? What do they normally do? Do they do they start and you think, wow, that's... Because it would be so interesting to find, like, when you're out in the field that you've never... I guess you've only got basic obedience and put them in a field and expect them to, 
their instincts to take over. I, I find that very fascinating. Well, what generally happens um, is you'll take a young dog into a, into a field, say at six months, and at first it's got to it's got to um, gain confidence, independence to be able to leave you and go off hunting, obviously. Um, and then what you'll find, he'll start chasing, you know, things like ground larks and skylarks and anything that flies. It's just part of that of that drive, and he'll start chasing. And he will even bump is a terminology we use when they accidentally put a quail to the air. He might do that half a dozen times, and then once once um, he's done it half a dozen times, he'll soon realise. Um, the instincts will kick in where he next time he smells a quail coming into it, he'll just bang, lock on point. Mm. So interesting. Like I just, again, I guess a bit naive to think, I thought, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, you had when they're ret- retrieving, is that the same thing, giving commands? How? Do, what's the process of getting them to uh, retrieve on command once they are able to point? Is that part of the whole process as well? Well, retrieving again starts at a very early age, um, a rolled up sock in your house, um, so, uh, making the puppy associate the retrieve with the word fetch. Um, so you just start little baby retrieves in the house and then you, you progress to the backyard and then eventually you introduce the dog to a cold bird, um, you know, a, a, a dead quail or a duck or a pigeon uh, cold to eliminate any tendency of um, wanting to bite bite the bird um, and then yeah you just progress from that and then you introduce it to a warm bird and and yeah you just again a well-bred dog a lot of this is is, is instinct they just it's in them very very exciting stuff that's for sure what about talking about um I guess eating quail. I mean, are you a big fan of eating them? And when I will talk about some recipes before for ducks, but how do you prepare a quail? And uh, are, they, are they tasty? I haven't had a quail for oh, God knows how long. Oh, quail! Quail is um, one of the one of the foods of kings. <laughs> really? <laughs> very, yeah. Why? Tell us yeah. why is that? Tell us why that is. Well, they're, they're a delicacy. Um, you know, they're a delicacy. But I don't think there's, there'd be too many people that would turn their nose at, at eating quail. Um, you know, the domestic quail, obviously, that you can buy from the shop tastes nothing like a wild quail. A wild quail, is the meat's a lot darker. Um, it, it probably needs to be prepared a bit different. They're a small bird, so, um, you know, you've always got to, again, um, bear in mind that they haven't got all that much fat, so you can't overcook them, otherwise you can dry them out very quickly. What's one of the preferred methods, one of your go-to, I want to say recipes, going to it in full detail, but what's one of your go-to ways to prepare them? Again, cacciatore, which is basically a very, very basic um, recipe of um, garlic, rosemary, white wine, um, and you just brown, brown the quail, with garlic and a bit of rosemary and then you add your white wine and a little bit of water and you just let it slowly simmer and you keep um, and then once it's reduced if the quail is not tender you add a little bit more white wine and you let it slowly simmer like that and yeah sounds fantastic it retains all the moisture the the meat doesn't dry out Mm, can imagine it'd be really tasty what does the wife think does she like eating quail she loves them (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about, I mean, for people that want to come down, they want to, you probably know about this, you've been doing it long enough. Uh, if they want to hunt quail in Victoria, what are the bag limits and what licence do they need uh, to be able to hunt quail? Can you hunt quail on public land down there too? There are designated uh, state game reserves that um, are listed as, um, yeah, you, you can hunt quail on. Uh, most quail hunting in Victoria uh, is done on private property, which means you need to get the, um, you know, you need to get the consent or the permission of the property owner. Um, our bag limits uh, twenty quail per day, and the re- the season generally runs from the first Saturday in April till the thirtieth of uh, June. Excellent, mate. Tell us a story to finish off. On my listeners. Uh, always love to hear a story about maybe a, maybe a good day on the quail or whatever it may have been a great experience. Can you can you tell my listeners a bit of a story? Well, yes, I I, um, um, I was thinking about it and um, I remembered uh, a day out in the field where um, I was hunting quail and uh, my dog locked on point and I moved up to obviously to to you know, to tell him to move forward, and he didn't move. So I sort of got up to him and, you know, I just kept saying, push up, push up. And I think my voice actually put the bird up. So the bird got up, the quail got up, and I shot that bird. And then I looked down to t- send the dog through the retrieve, and I noticed that the dog was still very solidly locked on point. Um, so I just thought, you know, there's got to be something else here. So then I, I started the whole thing again. I push up, push up, push up, and he moved an inch, and a big hair took off. <laughs> so, right. and, and I shot the hair as well. So, um, <laughs> I, I guess what would have happened there is either the dogs locked on point, and the, the quails happened to walk sort of through, mm. um, and then I startled it, or it could have been that the uh, the dog smelt either the hair or both. And locked on point, and neither the hare or the quail were sort of willing to move. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but they're the sort of things that you come across when you when you spend a lot of days in the field. Yeah, do you get that a lot? Do you get them pointing uh, other things other than obviously quail, like you just said, hares, or you mentioned snakes before? Is that a regular thing, or, or bunnies, or, or along those lines? Oh, the, yeah, one hundred percent. Whatever you hunt, they'll they'll point. If there's game on the ground, they, they um, when they it. know that you're hunting. Um, yeah, they'll point. Yes. Yeah. Always oh, on the one of the quail pages talking about the dogs to OC, you know, there's always debates about <laughs> which one's the better dog, whether it's the, the Britneys or the GSPs or whatever other dogs there are. I always love watching people have, you know, friendly, robust debates on which uh, yeah. which dog is, is, is the better dog, you know, the Spaniels yeah. or whatever they may be. <laughs> That's always funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, all, we all have preferences. I, I used to have German short-haired pointers and I've now had the, uh, the Britneys for 30 years or more. Mate, we've got a bit of a – I normally throw this upon people because I can't give them the questions before. We normally have a bit of a, a, bit of a round here, five questions in under a minute for a bit of fun. Do you think you can take the challenge? Oh, I'll take a chance. All right, here we go. Uh, best thing about being a hunter and shooter, what is it and why? Gets you out in the, um, gives you a chance to go out in the, into the outdoors and harvest fresh game meat. Yep, favourite aspect of hunting, what is it and why? Uh, working the gun dogs. Um, because that's what I love doing is watching the dogs um, uh, do a successful retrieve 
or find find a bird successfully, find game successfully. Yep. Favorite species you want to hunt outside Australia? What is it and why? Woodcock. Um, yep. It's just a game bird that's always intrigued me. Um, it, it, I love the habitat it lives in, and I love the way it um, allows the dog. To, it it um, allows the dog to use every little bit of instinct it has to find it, to locate it. Yep. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, anywhere where there's woodcock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favourite firearm you own of all time. What is it and why? Oh, just a side-by-side Beretta. Um, it just comes up really well and it's light. One minute 12. Oh, well, just over the one minute. <laughs> no, that's all right for a bit of fun. Mate, a bit of um, any any final advice for people that want to, I mean, any advice at all, general advice, quail hunting advice, any advice you'd like to give them uh, before we finish off that might help them? Hunting um, is a great pastime. Um, uh, it's disappointing that it sudden sometimes gets such a bad rap. Uh, just get out there and hunt. Do it ethically. Um, do it respectfully. And if you're going to use a dog, do your research where you buy the dog from and don't be afraid to uh, seek help in training that dog because there's plenty of uh, clubs and organisations that are all very, very helpful and willing to help. Absolutely. Well, Marco Pagliaro joins us here on the Australian Hunting Podcast to talk to us uh, about quail hunting. Marco, I really appreciate your time in uh, sharing your knowledge today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Jason. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.